Hello and welcome back to episode five of the We Talk Ball podcast. I'm your host, DJ Cadden, and I am joined by my roommate, Mason McKay. Mason, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm still riding high off of that fantastic Sunday we had watching a great game. Ready to recap it. And a great game it was. Honestly, one of the better Super Bowls I can remember especially in the past two or three years, at least last year was domination. Two years before that was it was entertaining, but not as entertaining as Sunday's Super Bowl between the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Rams did come out on top 23 to 20. Uh, it was, it was a very interesting game. A lot of injuries that unfortunately had an impact on the game. Overall, I think both teams played a pretty good game outside of the Bengals' offensive line. I think everybody else had a pretty good day. Except for Jalen Ramsey. True, true. Jalen Ramsey had probably the worst game of his career. I think it was the most yards he's ever given up. It was, and it was also the longest completion he's ever given up. Yes, it was. T. Higgins, two touchdowns. Cooper Cup, two touchdowns. OBJ had a touchdown before. Unfortunately, tearing his ACL early in the game. Mason, I'll bounce over to you real quick. What were your just kind of service level thoughts on the game before we get more into the the in-depth analysis? I mean, the first thing that I think of is how terrible the OBJ injury is. He's this is his second knee injury in the past like 16 months or so. And you hate to see a guy who has been flourishing in a system like that to take an injury that just takes him out of the biggest stage. And luckily the Rams didn't need him. I mean, I think they would have been a lot better with him because their offense certainly fell flat in the last little bit of the game. But Cooper Cup stepped up big time. Did Obviously we saw the same thing we've seen all year, all playoffs from the Bengals offensive line. It was a whole lot of nothing. Well, a whole lot of, you know, opening the door for the Rams D-line. We pretty much knew that was going to happen, though, with Aaron Donald, who, by the way, had an amazing game should walking been, off the field. He could have been Super Bowl MVP, if you ask me. He could have been Super Bowl MVP, that's for sure, but too bad it's an offensive award. Yeah, the OBJ injury really hurt. Obviously, the Rams had a lot of injuries. They are already down. Tyler Higby, they lost Kendall Blanton early in the game. And they're not a team that's really built on depth. They're a really top-heavy team. So you lose your number two weapon. You had already lost Robert Woods very early in the year. You lose his replacement. You lose your starting tight end before the game. You lose your backup tight end during the game. So you're down to Bryson Hopkins as your tight end. And then you're running Van Jefferson and Ben Skoranek, who gifted the Bengals an interception out there as your wide receiver two and three. Honestly, I'm just impressed with the win by the Rams, losing so many weapons and still finding a way to manufacture points and win this game. The OBJ injury hurt, like you said. I thought OBJ would have a big game. I mean, he still did when he was in the game at three receptions for or two receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown. But losing him so early did almost cost them the Super Bowl. And then the quarterbacks, I mean, I think it was a pretty even quarterback matchup, I would say for the most part. Joe Burrow only had one touchdown, probably should have had two. Joe Mixon got a passing touchdown. 
I think it was a pretty even game. Matthew Stafford did have two interceptions. One was just an arm punt, basically. It was third and 14. And then the other one was Ben Skoranek's fault. But, Mason, how did you? How do you think the quarterbacks fared in this game? And who do you think, if either of them did, had a better game? Personally, I'm more impressed by Burrow's performance just because of how much more he had to endure. He had to endure his offensive line letting up seven sacks. He had to endure basically an injury at the fourth quarter that, I mean – in some regards, could have just ruined their chances at a Super Bowl. And all in all, he played good football. He had a good bit of yards. He only had one touchdown, but Joe Mixon had that other passing touchdown on that nice play call. But he didn't do anything extraordinary. And I think part of that was because of the offensive line playing so bad. He had no time to extend plays. Stafford, I think, played okay. The two interceptions hurt. Obviously, the one was off of Skronik's neck or Skoranek's hands. Um, you're talking about an arm punt, but that's still an interception. And I think that he played well enough, but I really think that Cooper Cup was the star of the show, and I think Cooper Cup kind of carried Matthew Stafford a little bit there, and we saw why that Rams offense is so deadly with Cooper Cup. Now a quadruple crown winner with Super Bowl MVP. Yes, him and Jerry Rice are the only two to win the triple crown receiving-wise and Super Bowl MVP, so – Elite, elite company. Only only Cup. Jerry Rice did it in his career as well. Cooper Cup did it in one season. Wow, I didn't know that. So, Cooper Cup, we had talked about it before, but Cooper Cup caps off the best receiving season we have ever seen in the NFL. We talked I, think, about- I, I think it's no debate at this point. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think you could take what – I know a lot of people were – Upset, I guess, because Cooper Cup got a 17-game season compared to everybody else. He's at 16, obviously. But even if you take away his best game, I'm pretty sure he still runs away with every record there is. So I think it is pretty easy to say that Cooper Cup had the best receiving season ever. We talked about the quarterbacks played a big role in how this game played out. Let's talk about the running backs who, for the most part, did quite the opposite. Cam Akers was the leading rusher for the Rams. Had 13 carries for a whopping 21 yards. The Rams only had 43 rushing yards on the game. Average 1.9 yards per carry as a team. Joe Mixon did have a good game for the Bengals. Had 15 carries for 72 yards, but did not find the end zone. Did throw a pass, however. I saw a chart, I think it was yesterday or today, and it was the salary of the leading rusher on the Super Bowl winning team the past like 10, 15 years. And the highest paid one was under three million, I'm pretty sure. So what does this game kind of say about the importance of running backs in the NFL? I know there's been a lot of debate about whether to give running backs big contracts or whether just to move on and not give them big contracts. What are your thoughts on this and what does this game specifically? mean in that debate it pretty much just shows exactly what the league has been trending to the last you know 10 years or so it's becoming a pass happy league running backs are almost obsolete at this point you have running backs that have these amazing seasons and a lot of the times you see them on bad teams the teams that are really good have good quarterbacks most of the time i think the one exception to that is obviously the 49ers but they have a great offensive line and a great blocking tight end so I mean, I think running backs are important. I mean, I really do. I think the Bengals have a nice, versatile running back in Joe Mixon. And I think the Rams have had decent running back play all year. It's just 
the last couple games, Cam Akers has been absolutely terrible. And he looked terrible again. I don't know if he's just not running with confidence due to those three fumbles against the Bucks on those two yards of carry he had against him as well. But I don't know. Something's wrong with Cam Akers. And honestly, if I'm the Rams, that's the biggest hole in my roster right now. Yeah, it's definitely one of their biggest holes. And for this debate as a whole, I think it it it's really just kind of depends on the situation. There's a couple running backs I'm paying. I'm paying Derrick Henry. Uh, I'm paying him 100 times out of 100. In my opinion, the best running back in the entire league. I'd probably pay Jonathan Taylor right now if I had to. Christian McCaffrey, we've seen how that's gone. He's been injury prone his entire career. Well, that's, only- the, that's the problem with running backs is they're always injury prone, it seems. If you get ran more, you're more liable to be injury prone. The exception to that rule has obviously been Derrick Henry recently, but that's because he's almost so big, it's almost hard to see him get injured. And even then, we saw him get injured this year for the first time. So I'm not really sure if you can really take a take a you know huge pay dump on one of these running backs just for your franchise's future. Honestly, we've seen a lot more success from teams like the Chiefs, the Bills, the Rams, teams like that taking running backs, you know, consistently in the third or fourth round and running with those running backs for a couple of years. And then when it's time to pay them, they let them go and they grab someone else. We've seen that a lot recently. And I think that that's going to be the continued trend and running backs are going to keep getting stiffed when it comes to free agency. Yeah, I think it sets up an interesting situation for a lot of running backs in the league. A lot of those guys that aren't the elite of the elite aren't going to get as big of contracts just because of the risks that come along with it. And there's one other thing I did want to kind of talk about in this game. It's been a big topic of debate on all of social media. Is the referees, they were very inconsistent, to say the least. They missed a very clear face mask on T. Higgins on the 75-yard touchdown pass, and then they made a very Very clear. Yes, very clear. And a very controversial holding call on Logan Wilson that unfortunately had a noticeable impact on the end of that game obviously refs aren't perfect but it is the Super Bowl we do need consistency and we do need as much accuracy as we can get so what were your thoughts on the ref I know we had a bunch of debate about it watching the game together but what were your kind of thoughts on how the game was refed? I mean the refs were terrible borderline that I mean they were some of the worst refing I've ever seen in my life and that's just completely unacceptable for the Super Bowl. Obviously, it was Ronald Torbert, I think is his name. It was his first Super Bowl ever ref. They said that. And it really showed, as a head ref, you have to take over and you have to make sure these games are called correctly. And you have the face mask, very blatant face mask on Jalen Ramsey. Just not even thought about being called. And then you have the Logan Wilson holding, which very obviously was not a holding. People can say it can go one or the other way, but there was no jersey grab, and I don't understand how you can have a holding if you're not even touching him. So, I mean, two calls went opposite ways. I don't really think that it's that crazy. It does suck that one was on the back end of the game where it really impacted the end and that final drive, and it kind of made it a little bit sour almost for the Rams. Because it would have been a lot better moment if they would have scored on that drive without that penalty kind of putting an asterisk. But, I mean, the Bengals also had a terrible call go their way. So, Yeah, I do think there was definitely holding on the second and nine from the nine-yard line. 
Daryl Henderson got – I mean, they just pulled him down by his, his shoulder pads and it wasn't called. And then they – it was kind of – felt like a makeup call when they called that on – that hold on Logan Wilson. And it does kind of just, just ruin the end of that game, I guess you could say. It just puts a lot up for debate when it really shouldn't be up for debate, in my opinion. It just sucks that the end of the game is kind of tainted like that. Well, for me, it's a little bit different looking at the both ways. It's different to have a miss no call to me and a called play that's not a penalty. That's where it gets me is when you call a play or when you throw a flag on a play that's not a penalty, it taints it a little bit more than when you don't call a penalty when there is a penalty, if that makes sense. Because there's holding on every play. You only really call holding if it affects the play, though. Yeah. It's that. It's kind of that same mindset. That's the mindset that I have. I can see where you're coming from. Those two calls we did mention, though, I think were the two biggest calls of that game by far, the holding on Logan Wilson and the, the no face mask call on the tee against 75-yard touchdown pass, both of which I think would have completely shifted the momentum of the game at the times of those penalties. But there's nothing we can do about it. The game's over. The Rams have won. So let's just move on to the Bengals side of things now that the season's over. Great season. But what is next for this Bengals team? Obviously, they're ahead of schedule, a a few years ahead of schedule. They have arguably the worst. I don't think it's arguably. I think they have the worst O-line in the NFL. They don't lose many free agents. They have CJ Uzama, who's a free agent. They have their punter, who's a free agent. Kevin Huber, they have Jesse Bates, one of the more underrated safeties in the league as a free agent. Everybody's favorite cornerbacks, Eli Apple, is a free agent. And then they do uh, lose Riley Reef, offensive tackle, and Quentin Spain, who's an offensive tackle. Two of the guys that kind of at least showed flashes of playing well are both free agents. So they're ahead of schedule. They don't lose many people, but if you're the Bengals, obviously I think playing with Joe Burrow is a – desirable destination for many free agents. I think now that he's shown he's an elite quarterback. So what do you think this team can do in free agency before we get into the draft part of this? What do you think they can do in free agency to improve? I think they got to go O-line. I mean, that's got to be their focus of number one, obviously. I think that another key re-signing would be Jesse Bates. He's an anchor on that defense and as good as Eli as much as Eli Apple has been in the news this year he's been a good player regardless of what people like to say about him so I think he would be a nice resigning I think he'd be cheap because I don't think there's a big market for him because like I said there's kind of a negative stigma around him but I do think resigning Jesse Bates is huge um another one that I think is pretty huge is CJ Uzama I think that he was kind of key to this offense a little bit. I don't think he's the most important. If he asks for too much, you can't re-sign him. But if they can manage to somehow bring back those three guys, I think they'll be in good shape going into the draft. And then obviously, you know, picking up some other guys in free agency. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the nose. Offensive line has got to be the position this team looks at in free agency, in the draft, in the trade market. I mean, it is – Joe Burrow was sacked 70 times this season, 70. That is absolutely ridiculous. You cannot sustain success with your quarterback getting sacked at a record rate. But I think I think you could add more weapons to this team. I don't think you go after a top, top tight end or top 
wide receiver. Obviously, you have a stacked wide receiver core. But if you add another really good wide receiver three, wide receiver four type guy, I mean, this offense is only going to get more dangerous. But I think I just, we're – I just don't – I just don't see the need for another wide receiver. I mean, they have – they have their guys and Chase and Higgins, and then they have a very, very good third receiver in Tyler Boyd. And they're all young. Tyler Boyd's the oldest in that group, and he's pretty young still. So I think that wide receiver is definitely something that has to take a backseat. Yeah, I think I think offensive, offensive line, obviously, number one need by far. Wide receiver, I don't think it's a need. Defense, I think you could have some needs. If you can find an upgrade from Eli Apple, I think you pull the trigger. Eli Apple looked bad for the most part in this playoffs. He was good in the regular season, bad in the playoffs, bad in the Super Bowl. If you can find an upgrade there, I think you move on. Other than that, I mean, I think I think you're really good. C.J. Ozama has turned into a, a very serviceable tight end. And then you you hit it. They have three really good wide receivers. Tyler Boyd is an elite, elite wide receiver three. There's not many wide receiver threes. I'm taking over him, if I'm being honest. And I think the draft is where this team is going to do the the bulk of its work. I think. By the way, I don't. While we're on, while we're still talking about CJ Uzama a little bit, I didn't think he was playing in the Super Bowl. He, he was hurt, and then they had their pep rally like the week before or whatever, and he ripped the knee brace off and threw it onto the field and said, I'm playing, basically. And then he did play. He was limited, but he did play in the Super Bowl. What a stud. Not stud numbers, but stud heart, and that's what we like. Facts, facts. I think I was saying it before. I think the draft is where the team's going to do the bulk of his work. They have – let me count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven draft picks. They have a first rounder at 31. I think at least at the very minimum, that pick has to be an offensive tackle, offensive guard, somebody on the offensive line. And a couple of guys I can see it being, I think it could be, I don't know how to say his name. Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan is up there. Kenny and Green from AM. But I think Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, the tackle. 6'7", 320 pounds. I think he is probably my leading candidate to go number 31 overall. I like them. that too. But the problem for me with that is I don't know if he'll last there. He's getting so much hype right now. And he played well at the senior bowl. I just – I don't know if he's going to be on the board at 31. He might get picked earlier. I've seen him mocked as high as like 16. So. Yeah. I'm going – I'm just listing some names off of PFF draft board and they actually do have him as the number 31 overall prospect but obviously he has been moving up the draft boards throughout the offseason yeah one one thing one one guy that I like at 31 as well is Kenyon Green I think that he has kind of had a little bit of a slide he at the beginning of last year he was looked at as a top three prospect among people who are in the business. I mean, he was viewed as one of the guys who was going to be a generational offensive talent and he or offensive line talent. And he's just kind of slid down the board. I guess he had a little bit of a worse year than they was expecting, but that talent's there. And if you can take him at 31, he's a guy that I think will can come in and make an immediate impact. 
if the opportunity is there for the Bengals to move up into that top 15, maybe, maybe top 10 range to get one of those top three or four offensive tackles, the Ekim Aquanus, Tyler Lindebaums, Charles Cross, those type of guys, do you pull the trigger and make that move or do you stay at 31 and go with a guy like Trevor Penning? Stay at 31. I just don't think that there's enough there's enough capital that they're not willing to lose to go up to number whatever, top 10 or top 15 or so. I just don't really see a difference in the guys up there as much. I mean, there's Evan Neal, obviously. I think he's the best in the class. I think Charles Cross is up there as well. But I don't think I don't think if you're trading top 15 to top 10, I don't think that you're getting either of those guys. I think that you're better off staying at 31, maybe taking your um, second and thirds and moving up to higher in the second, grabbing another good offensive lineman. But I'm definitely looking at Trevor Penning, Tyler Linderbaum for sure, and um, Kenyon Green as well. Yeah, I think they could. I think this team could justify spending two or three picks on and off on offensive linemen in this draft. I think it's definitely warranted. They definitely need the help. And going back to the free agency part, there's guys like Jason Kelsey, Brandon Scherf, Nate Solder, Cam Robinson, Teron Armstead, Dwayne Brown. I think you definitely give all those guys a look. I think Cincinnati is more desirable now, like I said before, with Joe Burrow, with that elite offense. I think it does become a more desirable location, but we'll just have to see what they do in the free agency market, in the draft. And if this team, let's just say they have a top 15 offensive line next year, do you think they have what it takes to get back to the Super Bowl, defend their AFC championship? No, I really don't think that they do. I mean, I think that this year was a little bit of a, little bit of a luck, lucky run. I I just cannot see this team happening again. They didn't even look all that good throughout the playoffs. There wasn't really a game where I was like, oh, the Bengals, they are a team to look out for. They just kind of kept winning, which of course is all you really need to do. But they didn't show any flashes. I didn't see any like amazing plays from Burrow. Just a lot of really good stuff and keep winning and. I don't know if that's a recipe for success in today's NFL. I don't know if they're going to be able to contend completely with the Chiefs or the Bills in the next couple of years. So I'm just not I'm just not confident that they're going to be back in the same spot or even in maybe even not be in the AFC Championship this year. They really turned it on at the end of the year too. At the beginning of the year they didn't look that amazing either. So I don't know. I mean maybe they can ride that momentum going into next year off the Super Bowl, but but not with a not with this bad of an O line. That was really lucky. If they get a good O line, though, I could see him as a perennial playoff contender with Burrow for sure. Yeah, I think they're definitely one of the top five teams in the AFC. But I mean, at best, they're the number three team in the AFC going into next year. The AFC is just so stacked right now. You have the Bills and Chiefs. Obviously, I think are in a league of their own next year. The Titans are still good. You have a lot of teams like that. The Colts are still up there if they can get a, a real quarterback, not Carson Wentz. There's just so many teams that I think are just going to be better than the Bengals next year. I think the Bengals, like you said, the ball just kind of bounced their way a lot. Joe Burrow didn't really ball out in these playoffs. He's getting all the love, but, I mean, he didn't ball out in these playoffs. I don't think he had a game with over 300 yards in the playoffs. He might have one. But I think they are have schedule. I can't see this team making the AFC Championship again. 
But let's go ahead and move on to the Rams side of things. Super Bowl champions, they went all in for it. They got what they wanted. I mean, a dream season for the Rams, if you ask me. You give up two or three first-round picks for Stafford. You sign a guy like Vaughn Miller. You sign a guy like OBJ. I mean, this was the year. This is what they did it for. They went all in, put all their chips on the table, and it paid off. And, frankly, they don't lose a lot of guys. They lose Vaughn Miller, obviously. Lose OBJ. They were both on one-year contracts. But I think you can justify bringing those guys back. I think OBJ does come back to this team. You lose Matt Gay, I think you bring him back. Troy Reader, I think you can bring him back. And then there's guys like Sony Michelle, Darius Williams, Brian Allen. I mean, this team's set up for another run at the NFC title, another run at the Super Bowl. What do you see in this team's 2022 future? A deep playoff run yet again. They just don't lose enough, obviously. This is pending the retirement of Aaron, Aaron Donald. We have received reports that Aaron Donald is pondering retirement, and I don't know if those re- reports are accurate or not, but he said if they win the Super Bowl, he could be done. So if that happens, I can completely change my answer and say they might not even make the playoffs. He's that much of an impact. But with just these guys leaving, yeah, I could, I could 100% see them making a deep playoff run yet again, maybe even as another Super Bowl run. Yeah, I mean, they're set up for success. Matthew Stafford, I think, proved he's that guy this postseason. That no-look pass he had in the Super Bowl was just unreal. And I think OBJ, I think he's found his home in L.A. I think he's coming back. I think he's built for L.A. I think that's where he's really wanted to be. I think New York and L.A. were the two markets for him. I think Von Miller you could see back. I think he wants to win. And then these other guys I think you can go without. Darius Williams, I mean, you don't need him as a cornerback. Sony Michelle. He had, what was it, how many rushing yards? He had two rushing yards in the Super Bowl. So you clearly don't need him. Austin Corbett and Brian Allen on the offensive line. Yeah, they're good pieces. I think you could easily replace them in the free agency market if you needed to. Matt Gay, I mean, he's a kicker. I love kickers. But, I mean, you could you could justify bringing him back. You could justify letting him walk and signing somebody new. Troy Reader, I think you bring back kind of a young linebacker. I think he was a, a good player on this defense. But other than that, that is everybody they lose. That's everybody. So I think this team is set up for success in the future. They have limited picks. Obviously, they gave up their first-round pick this year. But if you're the Rams, obviously you don't have many holes. But what are you looking at in this draft if you're Sean McVay in that front office? Um, Honestly, I'm just looking for depth. That's really all they need now. Probably in that secondary on that defense. Maybe maybe either get a edge rusher to replace Lon Miller, bring him back. He was a good piece in the Super Bowl for sure, getting a lot of pressure. If you lose Darius Williams, you do have to go get another corner to replace him, at least get a guy developing in that system. They obviously don't have any top picks, so these are all kind of developmental guys that you could see slide. Maybe even try their hand at another running back. Replacing Stoney Michelle, just seeing if he can be better than Cam Akers. Cam Akers has been pretty bad. But with limited picks, I mean, they're, they're kind of stuck right now, and they're just going to have to find some developmental guys. Yeah, I, don't, I think this team, unlike the Bengals, is going to do most of their work in the free agency market. Obviously, it's L.A. You have the market to go after a lot of these big guys, and there are a lot of big names on the market this year. You have Stephon Gilmore. 
Teron Armstead, Tyron Matthew, Devontae Adams, Dante Fowler, Chris Godwin, Chandler Jones. I think you go after a lot of those guys. Obviously, you're not going to get many of them, but if you get one or two of these top free agents, I mean, you're just adding on to an even to an already stacked roster. And like you said, I think they are in, in great position to defend their NFC title. Their biggest threats, I think, were the Bucks. They're losing Tom Brady. We don't know what their future is at quarterback. The Packers, they might lose Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. They might bring them back. I think if they do bring them back, I think that is our NFC championship game, is Packers-Rams, my very early prediction. The Niners, it depends on what they do at quarterback. They're either going to have Jimmy G, who I can't stand, or Trey Lance at quarterback. I mean, I just don't see who can keep up with this Rams team next season. I I mean, personally, I think that the 49ers are still a sleeper. They're getting slept on every year, it seems like. But they get a real quarterback in there, or even just Jimmy G starts playing well. Played okay last year, got him to the nice little NFC championship. But it's definitely the Rams to lose. And now that we've talked about the Rams and the Bengals, let's move on and just kind of look back at the 2021-22 to NFL season, one of the better NFL seasons, at least that I can remember, at least in the last few years, is definitely the best. What are some of the moments you're going to remember from this season, Mason? Well, taking taking off your topic of it being the best NFL season, you just have to look at the Super Bowl numbers. The most watched TV show in the last five years at over 110 million viewers. That's insane. In a sport that has been told that Last Super Bowls have been kind of boring, kind of, you know, not as watched by very many people. It's not as big of a deal. That's huge to have those kind of numbers again. And to just to just go about the best moments, I mean, they're countless. It was definitely the best NFL playoffs I think I've ever seen. The Bills, the Bills Chiefs, that was just the best game I think I've ever watched in my life. So many lead changes in the final two minutes and over time, it was incredible. And you had a nice, fresh Super Bowl winner, which is something that I feel like we haven't seen in a while. We had the Bucks last year, but that was Brady. So I don't really count that as a nice, fresh Super Bowl winner. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously he's been doing it for longer than I've been alive. So I just – I think that this season was incredible. You had a lot of underdog stories like the Los Angeles – or the, the Las Vegas Raiders, my bad. The Las Vegas Raiders, I mean, fighting through adversity the whole time. They're probably my biggest surprise, if I'm going to go on to that. My biggest surprise, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> I I think they fought through adversity the entire season, losing John Gruden, losing Henry Ruggs, being, all, being portrayed in the media the whole time, and then you just have guys like Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro showing a lot of grit and going out there every day, playing well, and doing what they had to do to win some games. Yeah, I think I said it before. I said it a couple times. It's definitely the my favorite NFL season in a while, at least since I started following it for the past few years. Um, what was a divisional weekend? I think that was probably the best weekend of football I've ever watched. Period, NFL or college. I think this. I think the NFL season and the college season were kind of similar to me. I think both of them had a lot of new blood. Had a lot, a lot of upsets. And then moving on to my biggest surprise, it has to be the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, it has to be. They were 
predicted by the vast majority of people to finish last in their division. And they're three points away from winning a Super Bowl with a second-year quarterback and the worst O-line in the league. I mean, it has to be the Cincinnati Bengals. And on the other side of that, my biggest disappointment, I haven't put much thought into this. So I'm going to defer to you and let you choose your biggest disappointment while I think about mine. Going off of your biggest um, surprises, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals were three points from a Super Bowl. Kind of knew that you were going to go with them. I wanted to go with somebody different, so I did pick the Raiders. I think that those two teams definitely exceeded expectations. Raiders in a little bit of a different way. Now, for my biggest disappointment, I also have not thought very much about this, but I am going to go off the top of my head and say the – I'm going to give you two teams. I'm going to give you the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's simply because they're the reigning Super Bowl champions and they didn't make it out of the divisional this year. Tom Brady's last year, I'm sure he would have liked to go out as a winner, and it honestly sucks that he won't go out as a winner, but he had a great career, and the Bucs had a good season, and injury just kind of caught up with them, and it was a disappointing season in that regard. My second most disappointing team is the Arizona Cardinals, and that is purely because they started out so well, and they were, they were the favorite to come out of the NFC for a good while during the season, and then they just kind of fell apart. I don't know what happened to him, but they just completely fell apart. And Kyler Murray, obviously, he's been in the media the last couple of days talking about maybe getting traded. Maybe they're going to make a change at quarterback. It's honestly, it's honestly a big old mess in Arizona right now, and they've got to get that worked out. But those are my two biggest disappointments. Yeah, I can see where you're coming with both of those. I, I have a cup. I have a handful that kind of disappointed me. I'm, I'm not going to go too in-depth on a lot of them, but I'll give you a couple. I think the Colts have to be up there. I mean, at one point after they beat the Cardinals, that was a really monumental win for them. I think they were looked at as a team that could be a sleeper in the playoffs, go make a deep run in the playoffs, and then you lose to – I don't remember who they lost to in the second the last week, but then you lose to the Jaguars, the 3-14 and 14 Jaguars in the final week of the season. All you had to do was win to make, a playoff, make the playoffs. I think they definitely have to be up there. I think the Browns are up there. Obviously, they're coming off their first playoff run in God knows how long, and they don't even make the playoffs this year. You run Odo Beckham Jr. out of the town. Some will say he's a, he was the problem. He very clearly was not the problem. I think that team has bigger problems, especially at the quarterback position. And I'm going to say in the division, I'm going to say the Ravens too. But they kind of are like a what if, if they were healthy. Lamar was hurt for a lot, just random bits and pieces of the season he was hurt. They had a ton of injuries on the offensive line, ton of injuries everywhere. But they did kind of disappoint. I think the Cardinals – or not the Cardinals. You already said the Cardinals. I think the Chargers are a little bit of a disappointment not making the playoffs. I think they were expected by many to be one of those teams in the AFC that could make it to a divisional round – or not make it to the divisional round. Make it to a conference championship round if everything went their way. I think – the Seahawks are a disappointment. The only team in that division not to make the playoffs. They went seven and ten. I think they're definitely a disappointment. I, I don't really have any other teams that disappointed me. I think there are a lot of what ifs. What if Lamar stayed healthy? What if Russ stayed healthy? Those weapons stayed healthy. Do you have any that you kind of want to talk about? Yeah, um, I'll go ahead and talk about the what if of the Bucks. I think that if you have those weapons healthy, 
I think that we might be seeing them and we might have seen them just lift a Lombardi trophy because they were pretty close to beating the Rams even without them. So I don't know that that's a big what if for me, if we could have seen Tom Brady go out on top, I'm going to go ahead and add an impromptu segment to this. And it's not really a segment. It's just, you know, piggybacking off of the surprises and disappointments. I want to do the biggest surprise player and the biggest disappointment of a player this year. And I'll go ahead and start with the biggest surprise player. My biggest surprise this year was shout out to my little brother, Max Davis Mills. Absolutely exceeded expectations by far. He was viewed as not even a top 10 quarterback by a lot of mock draft experts. He balled out this year on a terrible Texans team, leading them to a couple victories. He played four less games than Mac Jones. And he had arguably, I mean, not better stats just from a number standpoint because he threw the ball less, but 2,500 yards on 67% completion, 16 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. I mean, those are incredible numbers for how much he was getting sacked. He already got sacked more than Mac Jones did in four less games. And with that bad of a team, I mean, it's honestly just incredible what he did. I think he's really earned that starting job for next year. And that's surprising because Davis Mills, I was I, I think I was the only person who had him in my top 10 on the draft board out of anybody I knew. So shout out to my little brother. He predicted this. So, yeah, I think it was your biggest surprise. I think there's a ton of different ways you can go. Davis Mills, I think everybody was pleasantly surprised by the quarterback with the longest neck in the league going out there and falling <laughs> out and getting some wins. Mike I Glenn's do, younger brother. I do feel bad for Tyrod Taylor, though. Me and you talked about it a lot during the season. Tyrod Taylor goes into Houston and launches another career for a rookie quarterback. Just got to feel I mean, for the it's guy. It's ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> we, we were sitting in there at the beginning of this year like, no way he is about to launch Davis Mills' career. Davis Mills is terrible. Boom, Davis Mills comes out, has one of the best seasons we've seen from a Texans quarterback since Deshaun Watson, obviously. <laughs> Who is that? He launched Josh Allen. He launched Baker Mayfield. Justin, Justin Herbert, Herbert and Davis Mills. That's four quarterbacks. And he, he <laughs> launched – who was it? Did he launch Lamar too? No, he launched somebody though. He's launched four or five quarterbacks into starting quarterback roles in the NFL, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, that's I, ridiculous. you got to feel for the guy. Yeah, and it's all things are pretty, pretty much can't control like injuries. <laughs> it's insane. But my biggest surprise – there's a lot of different ways you can go with this. I think I am going to go – with the Triple Crown winner, though, Cooper Cup. I figured. I think everybody knew he was – I think we kind of knew what we thought – or we thought we knew what Cooper Cup was. We thought he was a really good slot receiver, thought he could get you 800 to 1,000 yards a year. I don't think anybody thought that he could come out here and get almost 2,000 yards and over 15 touchdowns and win the Triple Crown and win the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, just – that's just such a jump. He had 974 yards last year, almost improved his total by a thousand improved his touchdown total by 13. I mean, that is just absurd. And I think he's definitely established himself as one of, if not the best wide receiver in the league going forward. And on the yeah, other side crazy of that, because he does most of this out of the slot. Yeah, that's true. I think I think it's 60 or 70% of his snaps he gets out of the slot. And then we'll just move on to the other side. And since you brought this segment up, who's your biggest disappointing player of the season? 
Hold on, let me think about it for a second because there's a there's a good bit of them that I could choose from. Um, yeah, this one's this was tough to me. Um, it is very tough. I I am going to go with. Dang, there's just this so is, many. There's so many tough. guys. This is that tough. Underperformed this year. I'm going to go with – I'm just going to stay on the theme of rookie quarterbacks here, and I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence. I am the biggest Trevor Lawrence fan imaginable. However, he looked awful this year. He had some moments, but, I mean, those Jacks receivers didn't help him whatsoever. The offensive line didn't help him whatsoever. But sometimes he just looked like he was making some bonehead mistakes. And – I just don't I just don't know where that came from because he's never done that. It seems like his in his entire career until this year. Hopefully with a change in coach, change in ownership, or hopefully change in ownership, but a change in coach for sure can help him get back on the right track. But I still think he's a great prospect, but woo, were we a little underwhelmed on what he did this year? Yeah, I mean, this one is tough. I'm just looking at players right now trying to figure out who I'm gonna say. This is tough. I think you could really say any rookie quarterback outside of Davis Mills because he exceeded expectations, obviously. I think you can say any rookie quarterback. I think they all underachieved. Man, I do not know who to say. This is tough. I mean, there's a lot of guys who got hurt. Yeah, Baker, you can put him up there. I've defended Baker. I've defended him hard over the past couple seasons. He came out. He came out this year. Just, just didn't take. I didn't think he'd take a massive jump. I thought he'd be better than he was. He ranked twenty fourth in passing yards. Only had three thousand. Another quarterback that I'm going to go with is Carson Wentz. Shout out to our boy, Mark Clayton, the Eagles fan, telling us that Carson Wentz was going to ball out this year. You, my friend, were wrong. He did have a pretty. True, true. Hopefully, actually, I'll say that. I'll say that towards the end of the podcast. He was seven, He was 18th in passing yards. He's behind Trevor Lawrence in passing yards, if y'all would like to know that, which just speaks to how inefficient he was behind Big Ben in passing yards. If you're behind Big Ben in passing yards, you're not doing something right. And Carson Wentz, you're a win away from the playoffs. You play the Jacksonville Jaguars, who fired Urban Meyer in the offseason because he, he, he had a – young lady grinding on him at a bar. I mean, (laughs) you're playing probably the most dysfunctional team in the NFL this season, and you can't get a win to make the playoffs? Seriously? You have your worst game of the season against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's just so pathetic. And you got to put both of those guys on that list. Both of those guys might not start next season. We already heard from reports that Carson Wentz is – likely to be traded or released by, I think it was March 19th. Baker, we'll just have to wait and see. But I think that's all we really needed to talk about from the 2021 NFL season. If there's anything else you want to talk about, you're more than welcome to talk about it now. If there's any rookies that surprised you, if there's anything you want to say, say it now. Like I said, I mean, Davis Mills was obviously a huge surprise to me. And I'm honestly looking forward to see what he does next year. Yeah, I think a rookie that surprised me, was Javante Williams. I was high on him coming out of college. 
I didn't think he would do what he did this year. I think he had over 900 yards. He's established himself as probably the best running back in the Broncos' backfield. I think he was definitely a surprise. Jamar Chase, I think I, de- I had him as wide receiver one in the draft. I didn't think he'd come out and ball out like he did. Already established himself as one of the best receivers in the league. And then let's just move on to our final segment. We're going to look at the 2022 Super Bowl odds, and we're going to pick our very early Super Bowl champions. I think I know who both of us are going to go with as our Super Bowl champions. But we can give our picks for the Super Bowl odds. We can name some value picks that we like. Mason, I'll let you start. Who's your Super Bowl pick and who's a sleeper for next season? I'm going to go with the Bills. It's, I mean, it's terrible because I am a Bills fan. So there's obviously going to be a little bit of bias in there. Trying to keep it as bias-free as possible. I do think that they were the best team in the playoffs this year. I think they got a little bit unlucky against the Chiefs. But they got to finish games and – I think if they do that next year, they'll definitely be in the same spot. Um, some odds that I like for next year. Hmm. I, I'm sitting here looking at the um, the Tennessee Titans at plus 2,000 that are the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, something like the 10th, the ninth or 10th best odds in the league. That, to me, is a value pick. Banged up Derrick Henry, got the one seed this year. I really think that they can take over next year and maybe even do it do a little bit better. If, as long as they improve a little bit on the outside, on defense, maybe get that offensive line a little bit better. But right now they're a pretty complete team. Tannehill has just got to not lose the game for them. Yeah, we, we're both going to have the same Super Bowl pick. We're both Bills fans. I think the Bills would have beat both the teams in the Super Bowl. I think they could have beat both teams handily in the Super Bowl. But we're, we're definitely both going with them. They have the second best odds according to CBS. They're plus 700. I think it's definitely between them and the Chiefs. I think they're very clearly the two favorites, the Rams right there behind them. And for my value pick, I'm going to go deep here. I'm going to go deeper than you. I'm going to go to the Minnesota Vikings. And here's why. They fired Mike Zimmer. They're bringing in Kevin O'Connell, the offense coordinator for the Rams. If he can instill not the same exact offense, obviously, as the Rams have, if he can instill something similar, you have the weapons. You have Dalvin Cook. You have Irv Smith Jr. at tight end. You have Adam Thielen. You have Justin Jefferson, who, in my opinion, is probably a top five to seven receiver in the league right now. You have the weapons there. You have talent on defense. You have Daniil Hunter. You have guys like that that can just go out there and make a play. I think Mike Zimmer was probably the problem. A lot of this depends on how Kirk Cousins plays. I'm hot and cold on Kirk Cousins. He can be really good and he can be really, really bad. But if he plays up to his full potential, I think this team definitely has the potential to make a run in the playoffs. I mean, we've seen it in the past, the Minnesota miracle. I think this team can definitely, definitely make a run at something next season. And at plus 3,000, the odds are just too good to pass up. And that's I do, I do like that. I do like that pick, but um, looking at the, um, looking at the odds still, um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and institute another impromptu segment and it's, 
I want to see who your biggest long shot odds are, plus 4,000 or more on these odds. And so as we scroll down the list, I am going to give my pick first, and my pick is the Chicago Bears. Wow. Plus 8,000. I really like that team to make a playoff run. They weren't that far out of it this year. They have a ch- they have a young quarterback who just got a season of sitting and watching. New coach, obviously Matt Nagy could have been the one holding them back. A lot of people think that as well. So, I mean, I I, I see those odds, and I think those are the best out of the bottom guys. Another team that I am looking at is the New York Giants, and that is purely because they got Dable. They have a talented quarterback, and obviously I don't think either of those teams are going to win the Super Bowl. Very obviously, I don't think they have even a chance of winning the Super Bowl, but if I was going to bet on a long shot, it would be one of those two guys. So plus 4,000 and below. We have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 teams to choose from. Wow. I don't know. This is tough. It depends on what a lot of teams do in the offseason. But I am going to go. I'm going to go with my guy, Derek Carr. The Raiders are at plus 5,000. If they can get an elite weapon on the outside to go with Hunter Renfro, to go with Darren Waller, if Josh Jacobs can get up to the level he was playing at his rookie year, I think you have the talent to make a run of the playoffs. They made the playoffs this year, and they Hunter Renfro was their only like viable target. Brian Edwards was their wide receiver, too. So I think they can definitely – Definitely make it back next year. And another team I'm looking at, this is going to be bold. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they could make a jump, is the Bills' in-division rival, the New York Jets, who are plus 20,000 to win the Super Bowl. You are psychotic. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they are going to make a big jump, and here's why. Here's why. Hear me out. They have Joe Douglas in the front office. He's – already made great moves. They have their guy at quarterback in Zach Wilson. They have a guy on the outside like Elijah Moore. They have Elijah Vera Tucker and Makai Becton on the offensive line. They have some guys on defense. They have Bryce Hall, who's been a good corner. They have other guys on defense who have made who have made big jumps. I think I don't think it'll be a Cincinnati type jump in the way that they made the Super Bowl, clearly. I don't think they're gonna make the Super Bowl. But I think they could make a jump and be on the fringe of playoff contention. I think this team has a very bright future. As a Bills fan, that pains me to say, but I think they do have a bright future. And I think we can see them fighting for that seven seed next year or at least close to it. I think you're crazy. <laughs> They're not even close to even being the second-best team in New York. So. Okay, you're just a Daniel Jones fanatic, and it's gonna it's gonna blow up in your face next year when Daniel Jones is terrible. There's a reason that the Jets have a twice as bad chance of winning the Super Bowl as the New York Giants. That's so. because they're that's because of the Jets. People just doubt them. But this team can make. I don't think they're gonna win the Super Bowl. I don't. Think, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs. But they can make a big jump next year. It's not that far out yeah. of the realm of possibility for them to make a big jump this year. Okay, let's move on to the next segment after you pick the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's all we had to talk about for this episode. Obviously, the NFL season is now complete. 
the vast majority of our episodes have been about the NFL. We are going to move into more NBA discussions as the podcast goes along. Mason wants to talk about bets. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about bets-wise. Oh, oh, we got to talk about our bets from the Super Bowl. My exactly. bad. All right, yeah. let's get into it. That's what I was referencing. So we picked – we we both picked prop bets for the Super Bowl. We also picked player props. We don't, we don't have to go over individual ones either. We can just go over, you know, overall record, stuff that still stands, and some bets that we thought were really good picks. All right. So we picked 11 prop bets in our, in our best bet segment on our episode number three. And so we picked 11 prop bets. Mason got seven right. Two of those were from the same prop bet. I will say that. He bet the over on songs played at halftime and the under because if they played nine or ten songs, it hit both. So he got two from that. We both look like idiots on Eminem's first song. Yeah, for sure. My biggest win probably, my two biggest wins, I think, were was hitting OBJ first touchdown score and hitting T. Higgins over 69 and a half receiving yards. Mason obviously hit the song over and under, and he also hit Cam Akers under rushing yards. My, but however, I think my biggest win was Snoop Dogg being the first person to perform. Plus 375 odds. Everybody thought it was going to be Dre. Dre was the first one spotted, but Snoop was the first one to perform. And that makes it a huge win at plus 375. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. A lot of this is just a guessing game. But it is nice to know 7 out of 11 so far with a good chance to go 8 out of 12 with the um with the cup under on the medals. So. Potentially. 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 It's I a good can, chance. Right I, now I can, there's 7 gold medals. I can still win that bet. I can still win that bet. There's 5 more days of the Olympics. It's over. <laughs> I, I can get a push. I can get a push. I think that's all we had to talk about on this episode. Like I was saying earlier before, we remembered we had to do this segment of the podcast. We are going to get more into our NBA discussions. Most of the podcasts from here on forward are going to be NBA-centered. We are going to do some stuff around the draft, the NFL draft, around NFL free agency. I'm not sure what that schedule is going to look like yet. There will probably be episodes where it's it may just be me and a special guest. It just depends on what our special on what our schedules look like. Me and Mason got to talk about that. I think we're gonna do something over March Madness. Might just do a bracket special. Just give our picks for the bracket, kinda. I am gonna have some special guests on for golf majors as the year goes on. I do want to get more into social media. I'm working on some Photoshop templates so I can kind of get our posts out on social media. I do want to increase our presence. You can expect a video aspect of this podcast eventually. I do want to branch out onto YouTube and onto TikTok. And then one final idea I kind of had, we kind of talked about it earlier, not on the show, but just me and Mason and our, our boys in the group chat was doing something with our boys in our sports group chat, Casey, Mark, maybe Wyatt. I don't know what that would look like, but it does sound like a good idea to me. It might just be 
me, Mason, Casey, and Mark just chopping it up for an hour or two, just talking about sports, just kind of destroying Mark's takes over and over and over. I think it would be fun. Mason, it would definitely, it would definitely probably a little, a little bit more of a relaxed style. Probably we'd all just be sitting on a couch, sitting there talking with Mike Sin, talking about football, talking about some, some, some of our opinions, some of our little lesser known takes. It'll be a nice little inside the mind of each of us. Yeah, I'm excited for what the future of this podcast holds. Our first, set, our first few podcasts have been focused on the NFL playoffs. Like I said, NBA is going to be a big thing. College football, I think, is what we're really excited for, college football and the NFL next year. And I just can't wait to keep this thing going. I mean, this is only going to get better from here. Mason, do you have any closing thoughts before we head out for the night? I do not have any closing thoughts. Well, actually, I will leave you with a closing thought. I have a question that I would like the listeners to answer on Twitter. One of the bets last week was Will Snoop Dogg's smoke on stage. Yes, I want want this question answered too. I said he will not smoke on stage. I won that bet because he did not smoke on stage. But? But DJ bet he will smoke on stage and it was found out in reports after that he was smoking backstage before this performance so who do you think it wasn't really backstage it was on the houses they had like right before he stepped up to perform yes yes but it was before the performance part of the reason i said no was because i thought that the nfl viewership would not like the fact of someone smoking on live television that apparently betting odds said that he will or that he did not smoke on stage. So I technically won. I would like the Twitter followers to answer, am I right? Is DJ right? Is it a push? Should Vegas just drop the bet? I would like y'all to answer that. That one's tough. I do want the viewers to answer that. I'm counting it as a dub in my book. You can count it how you want. In the end, it didn't really matter. Mason beat me in the prop bets anyway. I did get the winner right in the game itself. So I am going to count that as the ultimate dub, but I'll, I promise to be better moving forward, picking bets, picking games. So Mason doesn't have any more closing thoughts. I don't have any closing thoughts. Thank you all for joining us for episode five of the podcast. Can't wait to keep this thing going and we will see y'all next week.